الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فاعلم انه لا اله الا الله واستغفر لذنبك وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والله يعلم متقلبكم ومثواكم وعن ابي بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عليكم بلا اله الا الله والاستغفار فاكثروا منهما فان ابليس قال اهلكت الناس بالذنوب واهلكوني بلا اله الا الله والاستغفار او كما قال عليه الصلاه والسلام والله سبحانه وتعالى يقول فانهم انهم اذا قيل لهم لا اله الا الله يستكبرون صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين honorable ulama respected hafiz beloved brothers and elders when a fire breaks out any person who's near that fire has the fear of getting burnt his first choice and the first thing he's going to look for is some way to get out he's going to look for an exit he's going to look for a fire plan an escape route something to deliver him from the problem that's before his eyes this is not only restricted to a fire or some type of a huge flame rather it's applicable to any predicament leave alone a human being any predicament a living creature is going to go through the first thing that creature is going to look for is let me find an exit let me find an escape to get out of this problem every person seated here every living creature coming in this world has to go through and suffer problems not only once in a lifetime but for many of us on a regular basis there are problems and difficulties that we face and challenges that we go through every day of our lives there are many problems we face that are only linked to our worldly and material self and whilst that is important to take care of more important is to find solutions salvation exit from the problems that face us on a daily level so regarding this an incident is recorded after the demise of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam it was one of the greatest difficulties and hardships that had probably set on any human throughout the history of this world people lose people you lose those who you love but can you imagine 
what Sahaba radiallahu anhum went through when they lost Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Bewilderment, confusion, grief had taken over them from all sides. Uthman Ghani radiallahu ta'ala anhu was seated and he narrates the incident and he says, Bainama anajalisun idmarra alayya umar. I was seated in Madina Munawara. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu went past. He made salam, but I didn't even hear his salam. Leave alone his salam, I didn't know he went past. Umar radiallahu anhu took offense because it was a volatile situation. Sahaba radiallahu anhu lost Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was the khalifa. And here Umar is making salam, but Uthman radiallahu anhuma isn't replying. He goes up to Khalifatul Mu'mineen Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu and he complains, I'm making salam to Uthman, but he's not replying to my salam. Abu Bakr accompanies Umar radiallahu anhu and they come to visit Uthman radiallahu anhu. Now he says, فَأَقْبَلَا عَلَيَّ جَمِيعًا فَسَلَّمَا عَلَيَّ Both of them now come, they make salam to me. This time I heard the salam, so I replied. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu looks at me and he says, مَا لَكَ أَلَّا تَرُدَّ عَلَىٰ أَخِيكَ عُمَرَ سَلَامَهُ why didn't, you, why didn't you reply to Umar when he made salam to you? He says, Wallahi, ma fa'altu. He says, but in the qasam of Allah, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do this. Umar radiallahu anhu interjects and he says, Allah's qasam, I made salam to you. You didn't reply. Uthman says, leave alone hearing your salam. I didn't even know you passed me. I didn't even know you were, you went, you were around. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is presiding over Umar and Uthman radiallahu anhuma, and then he says, "Qad sadaqa Uthman." Uthman is speaking the truth. I can make out what Uthman is saying; he's speaking the truth. But he says, "Oh Uthman, let me ask you: Qad shagalaka amrun. Something has overwhelmed you. Something consumed your mind because of which you were so engaged in a thought." And this thought had, pre- had made you oblivious of your environment. This thought you engaged in took you so deep that you didn't even know who passed you, you didn't even know who made salam to you and who spoke to you. He says, definitely. I was engaged in a thought and this thing had consumed me, overwhelmed me. Abu Bakr asked him, what was that thought? He says, Tawafallahu ta'ala nabiyahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qabla an nas'alahu he says, the thought that, over, that consumed my mind was that Allah Taala had taken his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam away from this world. Allah caused Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa to pass away. Before we asked him one question, there's a question lingering in my mind now and I am only regretting why didn't I ask the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam this question whilst he was alive. What's the question? That when this ummah faces problems, difficulties and hardship, especially on a deeny level, then what's the way of salvation? What's the exit? What's the solution? What's the escape? How does this ummah come out in the face of problems? A valid question. And because he never get that answer, he was so concerned. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he says, Oh Uthman, don't worry about this. Inni qad sa'altuhu. Oh Uthman, Allah blessed me with the honor 
of posing this question before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uthman is elated, he's overjoyed. He stands up and he says, Bi abi anta wa ummi, may my mother and father be sacrificed for you. Anta ahakku biha, only a man of your caliber, O Abu Bakr, could have thought of this and asked this on behalf of the entire ummah. Oh Abu Bakr, share that answer with me. What did the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam tell you? The solution for this ummah. So he says, I asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the Rasul of Allah said, Man qabila minni al-kalimata allati aradtuha ala ammi falam yaqbalha That person who accepts kanat lahu najat, that person who accepts that phrase, that phrase, that statement that I presented to my uncle Abu Talib and Abu Talib didn't accept it. Anyone who accepts that statement, that one single statement will be a means of solving every single problem of his. What's that statement? What did Nabi alayhi present to his uncle and his uncle didn't accept? A statement that comprises of two parts. La ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is najatu hadhi al-ummah. This is najatu hadhi al-amri. This is the solution, salvation, exit and escape for every problem that a mu'min will face from the beginning of time till the day of qiyamah according to the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of us here are aware of the kalima. It's probably one of the very first words we were taught when we were little children. The first words our ears heard when we came into this world. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluhu. We've heard these words. So how does this become a solution and salvation for every one of us? It's important to understand before we jump to conclusions or before we make a statement that you know what, I'm saying the kalima but I still got problems. Understand what's the meaning. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said it's going to be a salvation, understand what is meant by this. It's incorrect for us to apply our own understanding at times, because many a times you and I apply our own understanding, and we fall into bigger problems rather than creating a solution. Just to give us an understanding regarding this on the lighter side, one person went to the doctor, and he needed some treatment. The doctor, he went for his routine visit, his routine checkup. And the doctor had told him, according to my assessment, your sugar is too high. He told him your sugar is too high. So what did he do? Instead of following the doctor's prescription of lowering his sugar, when he came home, he went into his pantry and he removed his sugar from the higher shelf to the lower shelf. Because the doctor said his sugar is too high. He applied his own mind and he fell into a problem. You and I can't apply our own mind. When Nabi is saying, it's the solution for every problem, then there's a meaning for it. So let's understand what's meant here. Muhaddithin explain, this kalima is made up of two parts. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa In other words, this kalima will be that statement. Now a person, he keeps in mind both these components. In other words, on one side, La ilaha illallah, on other side, Muhammadur Rasulullah. In other words, Allahu wa Rasul. Allahu wa Rasul. Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In everything a person does, he thinks to himself, what does Allah and His Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, want me to do? 
want me to behave? What do they, what's the command of shariat in every situation? If a person keeps this in mind, then this becomes a means of salvation for him, guidance for him in everything that he does. Like, let's understand an example. A person is traveling. Or a person, whether he's traveling in an urban setting, or whether he's traveling in a setting of some type of a jungle or a forest. One tool that he'll use to get from point A to point B, one survival tool that he needs to direct himself correctly is what we know as a compass or a navigation tool. That teaches him, shows him direction. What he does is at every turn, he's going to look at his compass. That I need, am I following the right direction or am I gone off? Like that man who needs to survive keeps looking at his compass, a mu'min, his compass to navigate through the difficulties of life, to navigate through the different challenges and problems that we're facing, his compass is La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. We look at this at every moment. What does Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam say? If I pass away now, Will Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam be happy with the choice I made? Will Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam be happy in the place I visited, in the people I'm meeting, in the conversation I'm engaging in, in that action? What does Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam say? Now every problem will become easy. To understand this, this was taught to Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And look how they conducted themselves to find solutions and get themselves out of problems in various situations. An incident is quoted of a Sahabi, Abdullah bin Huzafa radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He was captured on one of his journeys. He was captured in a place called Qaysariya. It was an ancient seaport in Palestine. This, these lands were in the hands of the Romans. So he was captured and brought before the Roman king. The Roman king tells him, you're a Muslim. Tanassar, become a Christian. If you don't, I'm going to punish you. Abdullah bin Huzafa radiallahu what does he do? He looks at his compass. And what does... My kalima doesn't allow me to behave in this way. No matter what you do, I'm not going to give up my kalima for anything in the world. I'm not going to give up my Islam. He says, I'm going to throw you into a cauldron of oil that you'll burn and you'll suffer. He says, do what you want. I'm not prepared to leave. He commands the cauldron is brought, filled with oil, heated up. He's a Muslim captive who's in Roman captivity. He takes, he takes hold of one captive and he instructs that this man be thrown into that boiling oil, a huge cauldron of oil. Historians write, the moment this man's body touches the oil, leave alone burning, the moment he, the, the, the body touched the oil, the flesh and everything linked to his body all just separated. The only thing that came up were his bones, completely empty. Void of any flesh, only bones came up. Abdullah bin Huzafa witnesses this. Again he tells him, I'm going to throw you next. Abdullah bin Huzafa says, by all means, I can't leave my kalima. My compass doesn't allow me to do this. Then he tells his guards, throw him in. As Abdullah bin Huzafa is walking, he's going up. He begins tearing. The guard send a message. The king says, bring him back. Maybe he regretted his decision. As he comes forward, he tells him, I see you crying. What has happened? Have you retracted? He says, don't think. Don't think 
that I'm crying. Anni bakaytu. Jaza'an mimma turidu an tasna'abi. Don't think I'm crying out of fear that you're going to throw me in the oil. Walakinni bakaytu haythu laysat li illa nafsun wahidah. Wakuntu uhibbu anna li minan anfus adada kulli sha'aratin fiya. Don't think I'm crying because I got fear you're going to throw me in the oil. I'm crying because I only got one soul to present before Allah. Once you kill me once, I can't go back. I can't, move, I can't make more sacrifice. I wish, my desire is, I had as many souls in my body as the hair on my body. And I could present one one soul before Allah. Look at this steadfastness. Then, this Christian is taken aback. He hasn't seen anyone in his life sacrificing so much for religion like Abdullah bin Huzafa. Now he changes his entire plan. He says, okay, become a Christian. I'll give you half my kingdom. I'll get you married to my daughter. You'll be the next king. You'll be married to the princess. He says, no, I can't. My kalima doesn't allow me. He says, okay, give me a kiss on my forehead and I'll let you go. No, I can't do that. But then he tells him, okay, give me a kiss on my forehead. All the Muslim captives who are under my command, I'll release every one of them and all of you can go back to Medina. He says, now I'll accept it. He kisses him on his forehead. He takes all the Muslim captives. He arrives in Medina Munawwara. Umar radiallahu anhu hears about his great victory when Abdullah bin Khuzafa comes before Umar. Umar radiallahu anhu stands up and he kisses his forehead. This is, this is where they held on to the kalima. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu during his khilafat after Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had left the world there was a lot of chaos that spread amongst the Arabs because the, the leader of the Muslims, Nabi Wasallam, left the world. It's a volatile situation. It's a time when people tend to take advantage. So they thought to themselves, many people, some tribes had become murdad, become renegade against Islam already. And there was a fear of more doing that. Before Rasulullah passed away, he got an army ready of 3,000 sahaba radiallahu anhum. The leader of that army was Usama bin Zaid, a young Sahabi. Nabi himself personally tied the flag for this army and made Usama bin Zaid the, the leader, the Amir, and he sent his, he asked them to travel and go out. This army barely left Medina at a place called Vi Khushub, and Usama bin Zaid anhu gets the news Rasulullah has left the world, the army comes back. When they come back to Medina Munawwara, Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they got together and they thought to themselves, now it's a very difficult time. People are becoming murtad. If we send 3,000 of our well-equipped and strong soldiers to go and fight in the Roman lands, what's going to happen around Medina? There's problems and people would now take advantage of the fear of them attacking our women, our children. Medina Munawara is under the fear of attack. Our suggestion is, Rather keep this army here till things settle down and thereafter send them at a later stage. They came up to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, senior sahaba are presenting their rai and their suggestion before him. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he has every one of them, ask them, are you all over? Are you all complete presenting what you all wanted to say? They say yes. He says, let me inform you that I can never ever hold back that army. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed must go in the path of Allah. It's his instruction that they go. I can't hold them back. Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu 
when Abu Bakr radiallahu passed away, he was addressing his students and what did he say? Lawla ustukhlifa Abu Bakrin ma'ubidallah. Had Abu Bakr not been made the Khalifa, Allah would have not been worshipped on this earth. He said this three times. He was referring to this move, this strategic move of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. People didn't understand. Abu Bakr pulled out his compass and he said, What's the instruction of my Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? What does my Nabi command me right now? Although logically it would look and made sense, we go to keep this army here because this fear of attack on Medina Munawwara. He didn't look at that. He looked at the command of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the extent that he said, Had I known that I'm the only man left in Medina and the dogs, the foxes and the wolves the predatory animals around here are going to be dragging my body out, I still would send out the army of Usama. I'll never hold that army back. Why? This was an instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When these people saw this army moving, they wanted to become murtad, many more, some became many more intended, but they said, let's see, if these people were strong, they would have, if these people were weak, they could have never sent an army to fight outside Medina. It looks like they're very strong, but let's see what's the result of this army when they come back. And as this army returned victorious, those who intended becoming murtad, they said these people look very strong, it's no use attacking them. And they remained on their Islam, but again, it was a result of what? Holding on to the sunnah of Rasulullah Respect others and friends, we may not have the army of Usama. We may not have that flag, we may not have an army to dispatch, but every day of our lives, there are sunnats, there are instructions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam directed to us every second of our day. How do we behave? How do we act? How do we interact? What do we deal in? What do we buy? What do we sell? Everything is governed by the sunnat. If we hold on to Allah wa Rasuluhu sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this will become a means of victory for you and I. Quickly to narrate one more incident. Yazdajrid was the last king of Persia. He noticed during his reign, they ruled Persia for many years, thousands of years. And now a time came when they saw they're losing land after land. They're losing their kingdom is diminishing. Despite numbers being on their side, it was the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Arabs were walking in and they were going into battle. Whoever the Sahaba radiallahu anhum engaged with in battle, those people stood no chance. Yes, Dajrid now, he was tremoring and shaking in his throne. What's going to happen? These people are walking in, I'm sending army after army, and my men are being defeated every time they go. So yes, Dajrid, the king of Persia, he writes to the emperor of China, knowing that he's got a lot of men, He's got, he's got a lot of people in support. So he says, I require your assistance. Because you're not far from me, but please aid me with your men. Aid me with your weaponry. Because these people are walking in. So he sends an ambassador to the emperor of China. The emperor of China receives the letter of his Dajrid. And he looks at the ambassador and he tells him, this story is amazing. It's mind-boggling. Why? Please tell me, who are these Arabs? They are fighting you all. It doesn't make battle sense. It doesn't make sense from a military perspective that they're so few in number. These Arabs are so few in number. Y'all are much more. How come this small group is wiping all out? So the ambassador tells him, I've seen these people. I've seen them walking into our land. I see them conquering. 
ask me whatever you want to know about them and I'll give you the honest answer. So first thing, yes, Dajreed asks, Ayufuna bil ahad. Tell me about these people. Do they fulfill their promises? He said, of course, leave alone them fulfilling promises amongst themselves. They even fulfill a promise that they made with us as non-Muslims. Second, how do they engage in battle? They give us one of three options. Either we accept Islam and we'll be brothers with them, they leave us, they won't fight with us at all. Secondly, we can give the jizya and we'll enjoy protection. We must pay a tax, we'll enjoy protection. And third, if we don't accept these two, they'll engage in battle with us. He says, tell me how do they, how do they obey their leaders? He says, I've never seen any person under the sun obeying their elders and their leaders like these people do. Lastly, he tells them, do they have anything haram and halal in their religion? He says, yes. They've got a list of things which are haram and a list of things which are halal. He enumerates that list and he tells him what, the, what is halal or is haram. He says, tell me something. Do these people ever regard what is halal as haram? Or regard what is haram as halal? Do they ever do that? He says, never. They hold on to what's haram as haram and what's halal as halal. They're as firm as a nail. They don't shift. So then he said, he made a statement, These people, you'll never defeat them. If they're so firm on their principles, you'll never defeat them until the day comes that they regard what's halal as haram and they regard what's haram as halal. That's the day we'll defeat them. That's the day we'll walk over them. Then he tells him, if you want, I can send you an army from China. That will be, how, how, what distance it will cover? The men I'll send you will cover distance from Marwa to, to China. That's a distance of 4,000 kilometers. I'll give you men that will cover a distance of 4,000 kilometers. But my suggestion to you is don't fight these people. Because leave alone China, leave alone Persia. Men of this caliber, who are so firm on their deen, and so obedient to Allah and His Rasul, leave alone you and me. If they want to head, if they intend attacking a mountain, they'll raise the mountain to the ground. That's how strong these people are. So what you do, make a contract with them, make a peace treaty with them, don't engage in fighting, because anyone fighting such people will lose. These people, Sahaba, they were so successful in battle that no one could stand in front of them. What granted them the success was their loyalty to Allah wa Rasuluhu sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Even in battle, in their daily life, they always looked at their compass. What does Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam instruct me and command me to do? And you and I need to do this. We may not be fighting a battle like Sahaba against China and against Persia, but every day, leave alone walking out of our homes when we walk out of the masjid. When we walk into our home, out of the home, in the business, out of the business, anywhere we're going, there is a constant battle that we're going to fight every day. Against who? Against the forces of battle. It may not be physical fighting, but there's temptations, there's people, there's... There's celebrations, there's various things all around us. Do we ask ourselves the question, what does Allah and His Rasul say regarding this? I want to end up with one hadith. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, I need to advise you to do two things in abundance. Two things in abundance. 
you do these two, don't just hold on to them very firmly and do them in abundance. Why? Because Iblis, Iblis Shaitan, he says, my weapon against the human race is Ahlaktun Nasa Bidhunub. I put them into destruction and problems by engaging them in sin and haram. Every time you commit one sin, you go further away from Allah and closer to Shaitan. So the way Shaitan wins his battle against you is through sin. And Nabi Sallallahu says, I'll give you two weapons. You hold on to these two weapons. You hold firmly on to this. And these two will help you fight Shaitan. What are these two? Alaykum. Bila ilaha illallah wal istighfar. Hold on to la ilaha illallah. Hold on to istighfar. Astaghfirullah. Do them in abundance. Because this breaks the back of Shaitan. This is what gives you dominance over shaitan. You hold on to these two weapons and Allah will give you victory, will give you dominance. May Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq to look at our compass regularly. The more we'll read la ilaha illallah, the more vivid that compass will come before us during the times of tribulation. During our tests, during the call of fitna, we look at this, Allah will help us and take us safely. And we hold on to istighfar. These are two simple actions. We don't need to learn how to do it all the time. We just keep a tasbih in our hands. We do something and recite these two in abundance. And we'll see how Allah will let victory and domination come in our hands as well. May Allah help us. May Allah assist us. May Allah give us the tawfiq to practice on the points mentioned. Wa akhiru da'wan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.